right, grab your Bibles, if you will. Wait for it. Wait for it. If I can get them up here. There we are. And grab your Bibles. Luke chapter 8. We're going to be in Luke chapter 8. We're going to be in verse 4. So we did the, those, uh, the very long passage last week. It was 1 through 3. <laughs> so Luke chapter 4. I'm sorry, Luke chapter 8. Starting in verse 4. Here we are. As a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from every town, he said in a parable, A sower went out to sow his seed. As he sowed, some seed fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds of the sky devoured it. Other seed fell on the rock, or the rocky soil. When it grew up, it withered away, since it lacked moisture. Other seed fell among thorns. The thorns grew up with it and choked it, since other seed fell on, still other seed fell on good ground. When it grew up, it produced fruit. A hundred times what was sown. As he said this, he called out, Let anyone who has ears to hear, listen. Then his disciples asked him, uh, What does this parable mean? So he said, The secrets of the kingdom of God have been given for you to know. But to the rest of it, it's in parables. So that looking they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. The seed along the path are those who have heard. And then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. And the seed on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy. Having no root, these believe for a while and fall away in a time of testing. As for the seed that fell among thorns, these are the ones who, when they have heard, go on their way and are choked with worries riches, and pleasures of life, and produce no mature fruit. But the seed in the good ground, these are the ones who, having heard the word with an honest and good heart, hold on to it, and by enduring, produce fruit. Lord Jesus, we pray right now that you would open up your word to, to us here today. Lord, give me a, a, a steady heart, and a sound mind, Lord, to speak your words, to, to be here and to be a non-anxious presence, Lord Jesus, as we are seeking to be a non-anxious presence, God, in an anxious world. Lord, you calm our anxieties. You calm our hearts in a time and a, and a world of trouble all around us, Lord. So right now, I pray that you would help us to focus. Focus our minds, focus our hearts, Lord, to open our spirit to connect with your spirit here today. Lord, we love you and we, we beg you, Lord Jesus, we yearn for you, God. We yearn for you to speak here with us today. Give us a peace beyond all understanding. In Jesus' name we pray all these things. Amen. You may be seated. Have you ever had those conversations with uh, that old guy? You know what I'm talking about. The old guy who's got stories. He's got stories. So I, I had a time like this um, recently at Temple Hills. We were doing camp opening back in May. And uh, I was just sitting and talking with this guy. He's been a pilot for many, many years. 
I've, I've kind of used him as an illustration a few times uh, in, throughout sermons. And one of the things he told me about is his, he actually grew up here. He grew up in the house, just catty corner over there, like telling stories about when, you know, a senior prank where they took a, like a trailer and they hoisted it up the bell tower and it was hanging off the side of the bell tower for fun. He also told me about one 4th of July where it was, you know, the, that, that 4th of July that was like six, six inches of snow, right? You, you, you born and raised in Montana, so know, know what I'm talking about. I haven't been there yet because I've only been here three years. So this has been my fourth, so we'll see if it happens. Probably not this summer. Uh, <laughs> But he was out there just you know, throwing off fireworks in the snow on Sunday morning. Oops, forgot. So he was throwing off bombs and stuff like that. And the pastor came down the steps of the, old, of the chapel out there and was like, would you get, get it out? <laughs> you know, and just, he, this guy had stories. And he was, a, he was a, a crop dusting pilot here locally. So he would crop dust all around Belgrade. Because, you know, like Belgrade used to be the majority of the land and Belgrade was all crops. I mean, there's a picture out in the lobby of the church, you know, the old chapel, the old building surrounded by fields and pastures. And so he was telling stories and telling stories and he had a conversation with uh, a certain group of people in uh, an immigrant, uh, if you know, familiar with the cut folks out there, um, they wanted to plant this whole field. And they asked him, hey, you're, you're a crop tester. You know all about agriculture and stuff like that. We want to do all organic like, and sell it to make, to make a profit, to turn a profit. And so he, he took one look at the field, crop duster. He's like, oh, no. Hey, it's not going to work. You've got more thistle than you have wheat. Wheat doesn't want to grow here. You know what it wants to grow here? Weeds, sagebrush, thistles. Juniper, nothing wants to grow here. So you're not, if you want to grow things here, it's not going to be organic. Sorry. Sorry about that. Just, you know, sorry to burst your bubble, but uh, he, you know, it's, you know, there's a lot of work. If you want to grow organic here, there's got to be a lot of work done. And that means like, you know, burning the field and turning it under and burning the field and turning it under and, you know, putting nutrients back into the, into the soil and doing all sorts of agriculture and things like that. And, uh, um, but it, there's, it had to work the land, there was lots of rocks to get rid of. It was, it was kind of deserty valley type stuff. He had to go and, and, and he told them, like, if you want to do this, you have to get down and get your, get your hands dirty and do some manual labor for a long time. And then maybe, maybe, but most likely not, maybe you could do organic. So I think they ended up actually ditching that plan. And so they went with the herbicides and the pesticides and the fungicides and all the sides and, you know, the sides cocktail. Right. And so now it's a lush green fields out there because they used the chemicals on it because they, they just couldn't work the land enough. And so it's interesting, like being able to, you know, being married to a green thumb, you know, the, the garden over there and just like seeing all the processes that go into gardening and especially all the nerdy stuff that she's learning now about permaculture and, you know, food forests and all like companion gardening and trees and guilds and it's a, mind, it's a brain full, and I'm so glad that she's doing it and not me because I could not remember it all. It's amazing. Like, she is amazing at it. And so it's really fascinating to learn all about the soils and the richness of the soils and everything. It's been a really neat journey. But if you want to work land, if you want to turn a crop, if you want to eat fruit and vegetables, you have to work. You can't just go out there and just like, It's not going. I thought I was going to have a tomato for my dinner tonight. You know, 
You got to work and you have to wait. You have to have patience when you're gardening. Right, Neil? Got to have patience, especially when they don't grow. <laughs> you know? And so as we think about this, God, what, is, what is God's heart for us? We think about this. You know, God wants you know, us to cultivate the soil of your heart, of your life, to grow life-giving fruit. So we need to cultivate the soil of your life to grow life-giving fruit. Do you ever feel dry? Yeah? You, you, feel, you ever feel confused in life? God, why did this happen? Why did you allow this to happen, right? Overwhelmed. Anyone ever felt overwhelmed in the last year? Emotionally, spiritually? Man, I tell you what, this has been a trying year for our spirits, has it not been? Trusting God, trusting God with our family, trusting God with our health, trusting God with our government, trusting God with our church, trusting God with our brothers and sisters in Christ, trusting God just with our jobs and our time. Especially now where most, you know, you guys who are employees, like you guys know this, you're working like double time because like there's so little work and, and that's out there right now. So, and little, so little labor coming in. Depressing? Yes, sir. Depressed and just down? Like the, like the plugs and, you know, pulled from your spirit? Energy's gone? And here's another one. You got so much going on. Do you ever feel distracted? Hmm. Can I make a little confession to you guys? Uh, I, I was talking with, with Amberlynn last night and just saying, we're, we're just going to call this the season of the, the, the great season of uh, the season of great distraction. And I want to actually repent to you guys. I've been distracted for the last few months. And I've, I have not ministered well. I feel like with us um, in, in a lot of areas. And so, because I've been so distracted with like politics and, and different things, specifically politics, um, and just getting wrapped up in, in these things. I've been anxious. I've been distracted. And I, I kept trying to ask God, it was a, is, is it discovery or distraction? And just over the last you know, month or so, God has really revealed it's been a distraction. And so I want to apologize to you guys and repent to you guys that I've been distracted. And so you have my full attention. You have my full heart. You have my full energy. And you, you have me. I'm back. <laughs> And so I just, want to make, I just want to put that out there and say, man, I tell you what, no one is immune. Not that I'm like more special than anyone because I'm just, <laughs> right? You know, we struggle with these things, you know, especially with the, the culture the way it is. Just like you know, so many things wanting to catch our attention, so much spiritual warfare. And that's the thing. I've been so distracted that I haven't been noticing the spiritual warfare that's been going on right under, underneath my nose. And so last night, just, man, I tell you what, my heart's broke for so many and just praying for each one of you guys individually <laughs> for a long time. You, and, and so I want you to know that distraction is part of, of life. And, and so here's what we're talking about here. How do we cultivate that soil of your life to grow life-giving fruit? To not get distracted. Like all these things I think are describing that same thing. Yeah, and and if in our lives, feeling this dryness, this this confusion, this, this depression, this questioning, you know, like Neil, last year, why won't my garden grow? I have no idea. I've got no answer. You know, did you ever figure it out? <laughs> no, not yet. Oh, yeah. 
But, you know, you feel like no matter what you do, no matter what, where you turn, you know, whether it be you know, friends, family, work, books, media, movies, music, you know, wherever you turn, whatever stream you go to drink from, it feels like you're not seeing God's life-giving fruit in your life. Mm. And so we hear this parable. And it's speaking to us because God is saying, I want to cultivate good fruit, life-giving fruit in your life. And so he's, he's talking about the soil. So let's, this is what we talk, he's tell, he tells a parable. Let's, let's talk about parables. Parables are more about what the kingdom of God is like, not so much how to get in. This has been a conversation, it was a conversation that I had today uh, at the coffee shop. Just this is the, the basics of, if you look at all the parables, this is what it's about. It's not about how do you get into the kingdom. It's basically presuming that you already are because he's talking to people who are following him. Like this one, in this passage, he's talking to who? The crowds. All the crowds are following him. So it's like, okay, they've got a vested interest. They've stopped work for the day or they've you know, done this. Or they've, they've sacrificed something to come and listen to Jesus speak and Jesus preach. Well, then what happens? The, the crowds go away. He said to his disciples, turned to his disciples, and he, he went to explain. He said, what? I've got, this is, you know, he said, the secrets of the kingdom of God have been given for you to know. Because why? Because you're still here. You're here and invested. All the, the crowds, where are they? they? They left. They got their fill, and now they left. And so now I'm here with you. Now, the one thing I want to show, you know, kind of point out here um, is, is this, this word, you know, kind of this, this concept of not so much how to get in. Now, this passage oftentimes has been preached, right? You know, this is who is saved. This is all about, a, all about salvation. You know, scattering the seeds of the gospel and people coming in and believing the gospel. Like, what does it say? Because you know, it says right here in verse uh, 12, so that they may not believe and be saved. Oftentimes we think about this, this big theology word called soteriology, the theology of salvation. How do you get saved? How do you enter into the kingdom of God? But if we understand parables correctly, we understand that he's not talking about salvation into the kingdom. He's talking about what the kingdom of God is like for those who are already in it. And so let's look at that word saved because that's where I think, you know, that's where I got hung up on. This word sozo, it's, it's based out of this word sozo, which means healing. Or restoration. That's why we, we have that concept of salvation, saving, saving from death, saving from annihilation, saving from pain, saving from, um, from depression, saving from things that are, are stealing our joy, stealing our, our, our fruition, our, our, our flourishing. Basically, this word means bringing to wholeness. And so if you look at that word here, so that they may not be, believe and be brought to fullness, to be brought to flourishing, to wholeness. So this, is being, this is actually predicated on an assumption that you're already in. You're already in the kingdom. You're here, you're listening, you're a disciple, you're following. It's more of a question of, hey, how's it going? How's that garden going? How's the soil? Like I said, it takes work. 
Now, I'll tell you what, this entire season, Amberlynn has been working on soil. That's it. And like nursing her trees over in this little section that she did with mulch. Everything else has been working on the soil, getting nutrients into the soil. Little, little, uh, little aside here. Did you know that dandelions are awesome? Dandelions have this taproot that goes way down in into the ground and actually sucks up the nutrients from way down deep to bring the nutrients up to the surface. And without that, you just can basically strip the nutrients from the top. And that's why you have to keep reseeding, keep reseeding. So it might, you know, so dandelions are good, at least until they get ugly. You know? <laughs> and you can eat the leaves. And you can eat the You can make tea out of the little flowers. It's great. Yeah. Um, but here, here's the thing about the crowds. And he's, he's, he's saying that you know, the, the secret knowledge is for you over here. But what is his concept for the crowds? What is God's heart? What is Jesus' heart for the first passage here from 4 to 8? Jesus is always inviting the crowd to become disciples. If you always, if you pick up on this. Every time Jesus encounters a crowd, he's always doing something amazing and preaching something amazing. Right? This is what the kingdom of God is like. Preaching something amazing and doing something amazing to prove what he's preaching. Right? And so Jesus is always inviting the crowd to become disciples. The same invitation that Jesus gave to Nathaniel. Remember, he was under the tree and he said, you know, the guy said, you know, is this really the Messiah? Whatever you know, come and see. The same invitation that was given to Nathaniel is the same one that Jesus is now giving to everyone. Come and see. The invitation is always into deeper territory in our life, in our faith. No matter how long you've been walking with the Lord, you may have been walking with him, you know, a year maybe, or 50. God always wants to invite you into deeper, deeper territory because he's infinite. We can never know enough about God, Amen. right? The, the disciples here, let's look at that. The disciples here, so you know, this is this, his concept of, of the crowd and inviting him into this relationship as disciples. Now, when he's talking about the disciples here, he's not talking about the 12 only. Because normally when it says, you know, he talks to the 12, he says, he talked to the 12. He explains, and he said to the 12. But here he just talks to the, the disciples. And every time Luke does this, he's generally talking to all of those who are following Jesus. And so he's talking to the 12 um, that he's chosen to follow, that they've chosen to follow, they have chosen to engage, they have chosen to deepen their understanding of this guy. They have engaged. I want to I settle on that word. They've engaged. Like I said, cultivating soil takes work. It takes engagement. Like you can't, you know, because I'll, I'll walk out in the yard just in, my, in, in the morning, just in my, in my, you know, hanging out shorts and my sandals, just walking around. Amberlynn's down, you know, picking stuff. I'm like, what's up? That's cool. You know, fiddling around with the, the, with the dirt. I'm not doing anything. I'm not engaged in the process. I'm just an observer. A, because Amberlynn would yell at me if I tried to get involved too much. She's like, no, don't do it. <laughs> but it's, but it's this engagement. It's, what does he say? Who's he talking to? Those who are, who hear. As it says all over the, you know, look at Revelation, look all over scripture. Those who hear, those who have under, you know, an ear to hear, let them hear. 
And this is what Jesus is saying here. Hear. Not, it's not just like this, I'm audibly hearing something, you know, from my ears. This is a, it's, I hear it, I'm listening to it, I'm processing it, I'm understanding it, and I'm getting my butt into the game and doing something about it. It's the full roundabout circle of engagement. Engage. Entire, your entire being. To follow. What is Jesus calling him to? To follow. His first invitation in this is to follow. And it's interesting to, to, you know, remember Luke. Let's talk about Luke a little bit for a little bit here. Luke, what is, what is his whole point for this entire book? Remember, he's a Gentile going and doing interviews with all these different people to find their firsthand experiences with Jesus and writing them down. Remember, you know, Mary, the whole story of the nativity, probably from Mary herself. The whole, her whole song was probably something, you know, directly from her mouth. Universal kingdom. It's this Jesus is for everyone. The Jews and the Gentiles. I mean, look back. He's already ministering to, to, to Gentiles, to those in Tyre and Sidon. They're coming from all over. You already have Gentiles coming in. Lucas is what? He's pointing out that Jesus ministered to them. Jesus invited them to become disciples. He said first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. But not to the exclusion. But here's the, the main difference of what it means to be a, a disciple of Jesus. And here's the thing. Even correcting and changing our, our mentality today about this concept, of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus, about what it means to follow Jesus, what it means to be right with the Lord, is that God cares less about what you do and more about who you are becoming. It's not to say that he doesn't care what you do. He cares what you do. But he cares more about who you are becoming. The trajectory how much maturity or your know, fruit growth is the word of God producing in our lives? Because first question, do you spend time in the word? Yes, sir. The, the teaching of God washing over our lives, do you sit underneath the Holy Spirit? Do you sit underneath the, 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 the written word of God, the preached word of God? You are right now. Congratulations. Yes, you can mark that one off your, <laughs> off your tally, right? You're here. It's not, a, here, here's, here's the thing, it's not about getting it right. It's about cultivating life. Are you always going to get it right when you, when you garden? No. I mean, look at the, you know, the little, the, the picture of, of the, the green. So that, that is two gourd plants that my wife planted. I took, she took a picture of it and sent it to me and I photoshopped it. But there's two and she planted six. Only two came up. And then I saw a third one this morning. I was like, Whoa! You're there. Now, if that was a spiritual walk, you might be having a, uh, a counseling discussion with, a, with certain, you know, senior members of the church, right? We need to keep you accountable because you only had three things grow up there. But our spiritual life is like gardening. We, we cultivate life. We, we stir the soil. We, we put nutrients and we, we'll, we'll ask God to come and provide the rain to... To change, you know, maybe we are on rocky ground. 
What are the things in our lives that we're, that we're wrestling with? You know, God's grace versus failure and fear. Oftentimes that's where religion comes into practice that, that binds us in, in control, that binds us under this heavy burden, this heavy weight of do it right, do it perfectly. Versus grace. Having goals and grace, but rather than fear and failure. Fear of failure. You know, like, garden, if th- if, like gardens, if things are working, you plant more. You work the soil. You have to prepare the soil. You don't ditch the garden if it's not working perfectly. You help the garden. I love the, one, of, one of my favorite passages um, that I've been seeking a little bit no understanding on is, is the, the vine dresser. You know, I am the vine, you are the, you are the, the branches. You know, it, it says that if anyone is not producing fruit, what does it say? You are cut off. The word in scripture doesn't mean specifically to cut off, like to separate. It means to lift up. And they, this, you know, this guy talks to this, the theologian talks to this vine dresser, this vineyard worker. And he's like, oh no, we don't, we don't, we don't cut those off. Those are good. Like they're not producing fruit because they don't have access to the, to the sun. They've fallen down. And so they need to be picked up and strung back on the vine so they can get in the, in the presence of the sun and grow fruit. We need to help one another to lift one another up so that we can see the sun. So we can see Jesus. God is all about developing character, not comfort. So how do we know if it's working? How do we know if we're on the right trajectory? Like, how do we know if we're, if we're doing the right things? If we're in a, in, the, in a good direction? Like, if our garden is working? I keep asking Amber Lynn, all I see is straw. And I know you buried some stuff under there, and you got some, you know, cardboard, and you got some other mulch and things. But how do you know if it's working? Well, she's like, well, you can see the green sticking up. You can see the green sticking up. You can see that if you pick it up and you feel underneath the straw, it's wet. Even on, on these like 100, 100 plus days, you pick it up and it's still moist underneath because it has a covering. It's got protection. There's, there's work being done. But how do you measure flourishing? How do you measure transformation? How do you measure growth? Maybe, you know, do you measure it by your discomfort? Like, oh, life is starting to suck. I must be on the right track. <laughs> been there, <laughs> you know, humiliation, like, oh, I'm humble, I feel humbled, I feel like a worm, so therefore I must be on a good track with God. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> happiness? I mean, let's go on, on the extreme far into the other side. Like, is my happiness my litmus test? No. Is fulfillment and health and wealth and prosperity if we've got like tons of money in the bank and my, all my, me and my family are healthy and you know, we're prospering, the garden is awesome. Is that when God is happy with us? And is that when we're living into this maturity, this growing this fruit? Let's look at kingdom measurables. The kingdom measurables are the fruit of the Spirit. When we talk about fruit, he says, what does he say? The, you know, having the word with an honest, holding, hear, having heard the word with an honest and good heart, hold on to it and, it, and by it, and by enduring, produce fruit. 
These are the ones that grow up to have good fruit. It produced fruit a hundred times what was sown. It grew up. That is what the Christian life is about. If you want to know it, okay, here it is. Write this down. In, your, in the front of your Bibles even. This is, this is what it is. God's desire for you is to grow. Is to mature. In your faith. That is what the Christian life, every day, our trajectory is to grow, is to mature. Is to grow more and more into the image of Christ and live who we are on the inside more expressed on the outside. Versus, let's look at these other measurables. You know, the devil coming and taking it away. The deaf ears. The ones who have hardened, right? That's why the, the, the birds were able to come and, and grab it was because it, it landed on hard ground. And then, what's the next one? Shallow. So hard, shallow. You know, cannot endure the testing or the trials. This is when we're operating in our faith and insecurity. Think about it, when we're insecure, we don't know if God is, is happy with us, or if, if we're enough for God, if we've done enough good, love people enough, am I good with you, God? We don't grow because we're insecure about the next step. Like when I've been, I was distracted, I didn't know which way to go. I was so insecure in, in, my, in my life, in my faith. I didn't know which step to take because it was like, I felt like if I took a step, it would be in the wrong direction no matter what I did. I was so scatterbrained or choked by the worries, riches, and pleasures. It's interesting that they put all three of those words in the same sentence. They, they equate worries and riches and pleasures of life. This is that distracted life. You're worried, anxieties, Pained, depressed, suffering, confused. The, the, it's like the weeds coming and growing up and choking you. I had this, this, this imagery last night when I was, when I was you know, you know I, whenever I'm going to bed, when I'm going to sleep, I put my phone down on, on, the, on the charger and boom, I get the thoughts. I was like, ah, oh, darn it. You know, turn over, grab my phone, run, run, run down. I just had this envision of like, you know, of this land that's dry, like it is now, dried and, and, and hot, right? Especially, oh my gosh, next Wednesday. Oh, oh gosh, we might have to go and meet at a restaurant or something, y'all, with air, with air conditioning. It's gonna be 100 and something degrees <laughs> on Wednesday. Uh, or maybe we'll just meet down, downstairs in the basement <laughs> where it's cool and temperate, you know. But like, I have, this, I have this vision of just like the weeds growing up, but the plants, the ones that we want to grow are suffering. They're like, God, God I, I got to grow, but I, I have no nutrients. And we're looking at the weeds saying, God, what's up? Send your rain. Send your rain. I need your nourishments. But it's interesting to see, even think about the soil. And one of the things that you do in the soil is what? Is you go and you pick the weeds. Why? Because weeds have seeds. And the more you let the weeds flourish in your soil, the more they'll propagate. You gotta pull those. You can't just like break it off like the dandelions. You gotta, you gotta dig those suckers up if you wanna get the whole root. And that's sometimes what we have to do in our lives. Sometimes it takes doing the hard things. 
going and getting into an act group into, into close discipleship, letting people into our lives, being more transparent and open. It's like letting them dig the trowel down, you know, the spade down underneath the junk in our lives and uprooting it. Shaking off the dirt and putting the good dirt back in and throwing away the weed and pouring in nutrients, pouring in the water of grace to replenish your life. Jesus is desiring to what? Cultivate the soil of your life to grow life-giving fruit. Again, feeling dry, confused, overwhelmed, depressed, distracted, Spiritually, do you ever feel the seed is withering and getting choked out and not growing the fruit of the Spirit? Jesus is saying, I'm with you. I'll help you garden. I'll help you cultivate the soil. Let my blood be the nourishment that your soil needs to receive the word of God. Because when you receive it, you can receive it in joy and gladness. And it's not a burden. As Jesus even said, my burden is, is light. It's easy and, and it's, it's, you know, my, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. He wants to help you cultivate the soil of your life. But it's interesting to see this passage. And he enters into the crowd, inviting him in. He enters into his, with his disciples to direct them. But here's the thing about him teaching this parable to his disciples and explaining it, is that Jesus is setting the, up the current mission, the coming mission, and the future mission. And what is that mission? To sow the word of God. All of it. And what are we sell, you know, sowing? It's the gospel of the kingdom of God that you are wanted, that you are desired, that it is an open door. All are welcome at the table of the Lord. Come and join the kingdom of God. Come and enjoy dining with the King of kings and the Lord of lords because you are welcome. That is the current mission that Jesus has been on, teaching and proclaiming and, and showing the kingdom of God. But now, what? We'll, we'll see this in the next, in the next couple chapters. Um, we'll see in a few weeks that when Jesus sends out the 12 disciples. And then we'll see in a few more weeks after that when Jesus sends out the 72. 72? 72? 72. 72. He, and then we'll, we'll see what? In a couple of years. We'll see, <laughs> after we're done with Luke, we'll see Jesus scattering the entire church and reaching the world with the seed, scattering seed of the gospel of the kingdom of God, seeing the kingdom go forth into every corner of the world. That is the future mission that Jesus is talking about at this moment. And that is the mission that we are living in today. That is the charge that we have been given by our Lord and Savior, by our general, by our King, by our Lord, is to sow the seeds. As I think it was Jim Keenan that said, you know, that we are responsible for the, the sowing and for the going and the sowing. And God is responsible for the growing and the going. So we sow the seeds and let God handle the, handle the rest. We 
we sow the seeds of love. We sow the seeds of joy. But always remembering that God is our nourishment. God is our stream of living water. He says, come all who are thirsty and drink from the waters of, of, of life, from the rivers of life. He said in John 7, anyone who believes in me, I will be in him like living water. My spirit will be in in him like living water, bubbling up eternal life, spilling out onto one another. And this is his charge, his invitation for us today is the same thing that David prayed. As a deer longs for flowing streams, so I long for you, God. I thirst for you. For God, the living God. Where do you go to get living waters? Do you go to streams of living water? Do you go to the streams of friends and family or politics or media or, or social media, newspapers, news stations, bars, co-workers? Or do you go to the Mr. Living Water himself, Jesus Christ? Because he wants to cultivate your life with life-giving fruit. So ask ourselves that question. Lord, Lord, are you who I've been running to? How can can I be made into good soil that will receive your word every time you speak it to me? That I would receive it, that I'm not hard-hearted that I'm not distracted by the worries of the world, that I'm not just in this shallow place in my life. I want to be good soil and deeply rooted. I want to, end, I want to close with this. A couple weeks ago, a couple Sundays ago, Amberlynn and I were out hiking the Milwaukee um, Railroad Trail. Never been on it, it's just south of Butte. It is awesome, it's really fun. It's an old railroad track. It's got a lot of history along the way. It's got a couple long tunnels man-made tunnels that were built back in like 1800s. And it's got this bridge. It's really cool, really neat. One of the things I noticed that was amazing to me, and we all saw it at the same time, is right, up, right next to me on, on the wall of this, this rock, there was a boulder. And there was a tree growing out of the boulder. And that means that at some point in time, a seed got in there with a little bit of good soil in there and it split the boulder. So it doesn't matter what pressures you have on your life. It doesn't matter what seemingly impossible obstacles in front of you to grow and have a flourishing life. When God plants you in good good soil, plants can split boulders. Your faith, God, Holy Spirit, through you can burst your obstacles. Can burst, can break through your most deep-seated pain and, distra- and distraction and confusion. So don't think that there's anything too impossible in front of you or too hopeless and broken behind you. God can and God wants to and God will break through and shatter those boulders. God, we thank you for this for this time together. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for you, Lord Jesus. 
That we don't have to talk about you as though, as though you're off somewhere and not present. But Lord, you're here. You're with us. We are with you in your presence. And so God, I just thank you. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that you want to cultivate the soil of our lives. To grow life-giving fruit. That you are our living waters that give us nourishment, that give us wholeness. And you pour out from us the fruit of the Spirit. Lord, help us to cultivate the soil of our lives. Lord, we can only do it through your empowering God. We can only do it through your Holy Spirit. And so God, we pray that you'd do it. We pray that you would cultivate the soil of our lives. That our lives would grow fruit of the Spirit, Lord. That our lives would, would yield love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control in every area of our lives. That we would be the good soil that would receive the good, the good seed of the Word of God. And that, that you would stir within us to engage Engage with our faith. Engage with you in prayer. Engage with one another in relationship and love in the church. And engage with your mission to sow the seeds of the word of God into everyone we know by our life, by the words of our mouth, by our character that you are cultivating and developing within us. God, we pray that you would make much of yourself in this church and in this city. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for your presence and your love. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.